time, time, love, joy, joy, I need space, love, I need me. Action! Say hello to the man that I am. Britney Spears' movie Crossroads will be returning to theaters the weekend of October 23rd. That's right. And in addition, there's going to be some merch and a special edition of the soundtrack featuring a few remixes you haven't heard yet, including a remix of Overprotected. Welcome to the Original Doll Iconography with James Rodriguez, where I unpackage music with the people who create it, and at the same time, we give back to charity. For more information, find me on Instagram, the.original.doll. And a big shout out to my Patreon community, because of you, we're able to keep this going. If you'd like to join the community, you can go to theoriginaldoll.com. And as with every episode of The Original Doll, any audio recording, ripping, stealing is strictly prohibited in every country in the world. So if you see anything leaked, please report it to the webmaster. Now, today we have two special returning guests. One, we have recording artist MKX, who's going to talk about his release, the cover of Britney Spears' Overprotected. And we have Jive Records, Britney Spears and our guy, recording artist, producer, songwriter, and more, Steve Lunt. Now, here's some fun information about Overprotected Britney Spears. It was written and produced by Max Martin and Rami. Many of you Britney Spears fans know them very well. And there was a remix produced by Dark Child, and we'll get into that a little bit later. But Overprotected was from Britney Spears' third studio album, Britney. Now, this was the follow-up to I'm a Slave for You, which did really well and really pushed Britney Spears as an artist. Now, this is another one of those songs that would go to number one on the UK indie charts. For those who haven't listened before, Britney Spears, underneath Jive label, was an independent label. That's right. So not only was it on the official UK singles charts, but it was also on the UK indie charts. And it would go to number one. In addition, this would be yet another consecutive single by Britney Spears to be certified in the UK. It was silver certified with sales over 200,000 units, and it would go gold in Sweden, France, and Australia. And Patreon community, because of you, I was able to get some more information. Britney Spears' Overprotected has charted on iTunes in the past four years in 13 different countries worldwide. And for those radio people like myself, Britney Spears' Overprotected had its U.S. radio debut October 26, 2001 in Rochester, New York. Now, many people who know that know Rochester played such a huge part in Britney Spears' career. As a matter of fact, it was the first official play of Baby One More Time in August of 1998. And then I wanted to look up to see which city, which market in the United States has given the most love to overprotected Britney Spears. Well, that would be a radio station in El Paso, Texas. Now, one more thing that was truly amazing about this song, Overprotected, is that it would get Britney Spears yet another Grammy Award nomination, Best Female Pop Vocal, and the parent album, Britney, would also get a nomination for Best Pop Vocal Album. I wanted to point this out because many people, the media tends to think that Britney Spears' success was not that that was critical. Well, Britney Spears herself has been nominated eight times for Grammy nominations, and she's received one win for Toxic. 
Now, if you're a fan of Britney Spears, you can check out my interview with producer Alex Greggs, also known as Alex G, part of Rip Rock and Alex G, who worked on many Britney Spears songs and remixes, as well as those with NSYNC and so many others. And I interviewed Angela E., who was Britney Spears' dancer during this time. Check out those episodes on your preferred streaming platform. And if you're a fan of just Britney Spears and this is your first time coming here, go ahead and check out all of those old episodes. Scroll down, look for your favorite songwriter, producer, artist, and more. Now, we're going to get to the show. My name is James Rodriguez. This is Iconography, the original doll. <laughs> Everyone, I'd like to welcome you back to The Original Doll, and we have returning guest, recording artist, producer, songwriter, lover of dogs, MKX. MKX, thank you so much for being here today. <laughs> thank you so much for having me back. I'm so excited. I wanted to have you back on because you have what I'll call an in-betweenle coming out. In yes. between two of oh, your, like your singles. See? You're welcome. Use it as frequently as you'd like. in between. <laughs> See, now not everything It's my in-between <laughs> Let's let's talk about this. Let's rewind because you covered Overprotected and everyone that was a snippet of Overprotected. What what was the impotence? What was your decision to go cuz you've been creating your own music, you've been working on yourself as an artist. What was it about this that you wanted to do? And I know about the production of it, but can you talk to the listeners about the fact that this isn't some karaoke track situation that it wasn't yeah. I found the instrumental. So let's talk all about that. Yeah, so I uh, have a bunch of my own music coming out somewhat soon. Uh, I've just been like in the process of turning them from like the demos to the the final versions. And my team wanted me to get the next four songs done, which is a a little crazy. So I didn't want to just kind of leave everything hanging. So I wanted to put something fun out. So I I just kind of whipped this together. Um, I mean, I'm a huge Britney fan. I Overprotected is one of my all-time favorite songs. Uh, so I, I've, yeah, over time collected a lot of like the, the gear that Max Martin used and Dark Child used and, uh, yeah, just scrolling through it over, I've had the gear for maybe like two years, couple years now. Um, so like I, yeah, just scrolling on it over time would be like, oh, there's that sound, there's that sound. (laughs) And so I kind of knew where all of them were in my brain, like, uh, because, yeah, I, I love Overprotected. And I I was like, yeah, it would be fun if I made my own version of it. And, uh, yeah, I wanted to incorporate some of those original sounds that I found. Uh, I also remade some of the the synth sounds myself on, my like, my little synths with the knobs and stuff. Uh, then I added some a little bit of some new stuff, too, like some, some gritty synths and drum sounds and... Uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I wanted to to just kind of build it from the ground up. I wa- really wanted to to pay homage to both versions, the both the mm-hmm. Max Martin version and the Dark Child version. I kind of almost did like a hybrid. There's like a mm-hmm. little bit it like bits from each one. Uh, yeah, and I I was really nitpicky about the vocal arrangement too. I really wanted to 
to do like the original vocal arrangement with all the stacks and the harmonies because uh yeah all the all, any max martin vocal arrangement is absolutely killer and i've i've just studied his work for so long so i really wanted to yeah kind of pay homage to that and of course to britney um mm -hmm. She's on my shirt. Yes. <laughs> this specific album. Uh, Wait, yes. that's Christina Aguilera. What are you talking about? <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> how long ago, how long ago did you start creating this? Because to your point, you're building it from, from the, the roots up, the ground up. And you as a musician, as a producer, you could have, I don't want to say taken the easy way because that's not what I mean by it. but you could have been like, okay, I'm just going to get this patch from over here or this karaoke one and just use these things. How long did that take from the decision to make this to mm -hmm. it getting sent off to be, you know, mastered, mixed? I'd say it probably took, I want to say like exactly a week. So I have a, like a weekly call with my team and they said, like, uh, you should maybe try to see if you have any old songs, like, in the vault that you want to consider putting out while you finish, like, the next four that you're really excited about or just kind of any projects that you want to have to keep the ball rolling. And then, uh, yeah, the next call, the, the exactly a week later, I was like, guys, I did this this week. I hope you hope you like it. And yeah, so I would say it took a, yeah, about a week from doing all the instruments and then doing all the vocals and comping all the vocals and yeah, mixing and all that stuff. And yeah, a lot of it, it was really fun. It was like, a it wasn't a stressful project at all. It was just kind of like, a, oh, what little tidbits do I want to put from each version in here and making those decisions and uh, yeah, trying to emulate certain sounds. And if I couldn't find the original sounds, trying to make them as close to the original as possible. And the short answer is it took a week. I love it. Well, and it's interesting because something that we've been able to debunk on the show is so many times people have uploaded saying, this is an early version of this Britney song, or this is this demo, this Britney song. And I'll send it out to like the producers and like, no, it's not. There's That's not even a thing. They're not even using my actual instruments that uh -huh. most people wouldn't be able to tell uh -huh. but somebody like you is like nope nope that's not right i mean i'm sure you've seen stuff where somebody's like this is a demo of this song you're like that's not that's not even i always laugh when it's not even technology that was created yet that they were using yeah. for something from 1998 uh -huh. you know what i mean yeah it's crazy so then let me ask you this overprotected why specifically that song out of every other Max Martin song, what was it that spoke to you that you were just like, let's do this? Um, I mean, ever since I was little, I that's been one of my favorite Britney songs, favorite Max Martin songs. I, yeah, I used to collect hit clips a lot. I, I yeah, that was yes, kind of- Yes, you did. Yeah, my introduction <laughs> to pop music and and Britney and Insane, the Backstreet Boys. Yeah, that's kind of how I was exposed to all of that when I was a- uh, a little toddler and I yeah overprotected just always stuck out to me I just love musically how everything is put together I love what the lyrics stand for and yeah that record is just so big I feel like even 20 years later 22 years later it's it still hits like a like a current record it's one of those timeless records that just smacks you across the face you know um and yeah even if you if you listen to other songs around that time, not all of the, not all songs have that quality, you know. Most Britney songs do, of course, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. But yeah, I feel like 
yeah, this is just one of those songs that always throughout my life, I would just always kind of circle back to. It's been one of my yeah favorite Britney songs. The, my favorite Britney album is the Britney album that has most of my, my favorites on it. But yeah, Overprotected has always been a special one for me. See? So I, yeah, it was very spontaneous. I was just like, what if I do this? What if I do a thing of Overprotected? And then I just walked into my studio right in here and just started it and and then finished it. And this is what's amazing is because you're a fan of music in general, that you're not only just a musician, you're a fan of music. And I think that probably gave you that palate cleanser between your own projects that kind of let you, you know, unclutter everything in your mind and go back and start something. And so many times producers have said that where they got so in the weeds with their stuff and they're like ready to go. And some are like, the album is, let's say, done, but I can't do anything, but I need something to do or I, you know. Mm-hmm. I have a writer's block or something, but what's been amazing is I've been able to interview so many people from this Britney album. We covered over, I think it's like three quarters of the songs. And with Steve Lunt, Britney Spears' A&R guy, we go through all of the songs on the Britney album. And the love that this album gets and in the zone, even today, you know, mm-hmm. today. And there are so many great songs in general that can sound aged. What's been amazing is with Overprotected, both remixes, they can still work on radio today. Oh, yeah, for sure. There's so much going on there. But to your point, that probably made it harder. Because if you were trying to create a Swedish sounding Sonics, and then all of a sudden you're like, you don't have the actual things. It sounds like just a ripped off version of, Uh you know, it's kids bop version of Overprotected. (laughs) No shade to kids bop. We love them. (laughs) (laughs) But it's something like that. So then how can we follow you? What can we expect for new material? And the other thing is, are we going to get some visual or anything for this, for Overprotected? Yeah, there's going to be some visuals, uh, some content pieces. I'm going to be like breaking down on social media how I actually remade the track and how I did the vocals. uh, And then... Uh, a few of my friends and I were planning to go to the the Biltmore Hotel in downtown and re- redo Stop. some of the shots from the video. And uh, yeah, we we should be, I think we're going to try to do that next week, which should be fun. I'm still getting my little outfit together, my my little orange shorts. And yeah. I was like, low rise jeans or the... <laughs> <laughs> I'm still deciding if I want to do uh, jeans or shorts. I'm trying to do like the the outfit where she had it was like yeah the orange bottoms and like the she had this like sheer blue like turquoise Mm -hmm. at the top yeah so i'm trying to trying to do like the i don't know the mkx version of that outfit so yeah that'll be happening uh yeah i'm just gonna be uh promoting this a ton until some of my my other music is ready i think i'm gonna be maybe putting out some remixes of some songs that i already put out later this year nice uh which should be fun uh yeah so that's there's gonna be some stuff uh leading up to the the actual singles that should be coming out oh i love this so everyone this is how you get a hold of mkx let us know socials websites all those things most if not all of my socials i'm i'm at mkx music uh spotify and apple music and all the streaming things it's mkx uh yeah feel free to, to check my stuff out toss me a follow uh yeah feel free to stock my discography go look through it it would mean the world to me see i love this and everyone i'm going to be sending out links with playlists on spotify apple music and more where you can check out some more of mkx's music so mkx why don't you 
introduce another snippet of your song. What's up? This is MKX, and this is a snippet of my new cover of Overprotected by Britney Spears. Perfect. MKX, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. What am I to do in my life? You will find it out, don't worry. How am I supposed to know what's right? You just gotta do what you will. I can't help the way I feel. But my life has been so overprotected. Hopping out for a quick second to remind you to make sure that you rate and follow this because episodes are going to be coming out globally uh, in different rollouts. But what's amazing is... By the end of September, there should be tickets available for the re-release of Crossroads that's going to be at the end of October. So make sure you get your tickets. And the special edition of the soundtrack with a couple remixes on there will be out just a few days before that. But if you are a fan of Britney Spears and Crossroads, I've been able to interview Josh Schwartz from KNS, who did so many great songs from the Britney album and In the Zone, We actually go through so many of the Britney songs, and Josh talks about how many of those songs were created from the Crossroads script. So check it out. We talk about everything from I Run Away, anticipating so many others. Check that out on Spotify or Apple Podcast. But we're going to get right to this, and we're going to continue our conversation with Steve Lunt about Britney Spears' Overprotected and how would an artist benefit from a remix. Don't forget to tell your friends about the show. My name is James Rodriguez. You can find me on Instagram, the.original.doll. Now back to the show. All right, Steve, welcome back to The Original Doll. I appreciate you joining us again. You're welcome, James. Good to be here. It's been fun, and many people may say, are you guys definitely going through all the songs? And I feel like, yes, we are going through all these songs. Pretty much. What's great is there's so many fun stories about the creative process with a lot of these so many people had talked about the born to make you happy and said wait i thought the bonus one was the demo version of it i always thought everyone told me this website and we cleared that up the fun part about honoring not just britney spears but the creative process and you being a recording artist and everything producer songwriter that you can also give insight as an artist because we're going to talk about overprotected and the overprotected remix these songs or i should say the song was interesting because it was, I believe, more telling than even like Lucky was on the Oops album. But once again, it was super interesting because people messaged me going, I finally looked at the liner notes. And for some reason, I just assumed Britney Spears wrote this song because it fit that. Nope, that's that's not the case. So why don't we rewind talking about just that the Britney album, the third album with Slave For You. Huge success with Oops, I Did It Again. And on the Britney album, we had Slave, Overprotected, Lonely. We talked with Josh about the KNS songs, anticipating I'm Not a Girl. When you're looking at this now, those songs, what did Overprotected bring to the album and bring to Britney as an artist at that point for you? For you as the A&R guy, what did this song bring? Why would it be included? Well, you know, it's another Max Martin song, Max Martin and Rami, who did uh, Oops, and they did Baby. And uh, this album was when, was when you know, Max was beginning to feel like he was repeating himself self a little bit. And, you know, the label was kind of moving on a bit. I mean, it's sad to say, because I didn't really agree with it, but people were sort of saying, oh, I don't know if Max has got it anymore and all this, you know, history will move them mm-hmm. to... Oh, horribly yes. <laughs> wrong, terribly wrong. But and, and Max himself felt like he was repeating himself. You know, and overprotected sort of fell a little bit into that category. Is very much a cheer on Max Martin type of sound. The lyrics are more contemporary. You know, they seem to be written a bit more for Britney. 
and they actually turned out to be a little prophetic. Is that the word? You know, like, uh, yep. you know, toward, mm -hmm. towards the towards the future, because I don't think at that point she was being terribly overprotected. You know, mm -hmm. um, might have been as a as a you know as a star or something being protected. But I think as a person, there was none of the uh, you know stuff that we've later come to learn was going on. It wasn't happening in those days. So you know, there was more stuff. It was it was like moving into the Neptunes and a bit more of an R and B pop thing than than the straight pop so it was kind of like a last gasp of, of max's pure pop the cheer on sound career with britney in fact i think after this she like it was a while before we did in the zone and by that time max was out of the picture you know his own mm -hmm. from his own free will as far as i'm concerned i mean i listen to it now i really like it because i'm i just have a really soft spot for that era you know that <laughs> max martin and the swedish sound and everything it just it just it rings a bell inside my heart, you know, those, those songs. So beyond that, I, at the time, I don't remember thinking anything more about it than Max has written this, but it doesn't feel like a single. It mm -hmm. felt, it felt close. It didn't feel like a first single. Whereas up until this point in the first two albums, it was every single was Max involved somehow, you know, mm -hmm. you know, that's how it felt at least. And this one didn't feel like that. So it was a uh, slightly strange. And we're still at the time where even before the album came out, you all knew the first two singles already because this is at the point where you're still making physical product. And this was something that I think a lot of listeners that have listened to other episodes are like, oh, I guess I didn't realize that, that it wasn't wait until the album comes out and let's figure this out. Many of these things, it was planned ahead of time. We know we have this single. We know we have that single. We know we have this as a possible third, fourth. This album had several singles on it. Some were only local in certain areas and everything. But from your mind creatively, was it important to go from that Neptune sounding slave single to overprotected that Swedish sound? Was it kind of giving maybe those Britney Spears fans that kind of familiar sound? What did overprotected do and why would it be slave first and overprotected next? I'm a slave for you was an obvious first single. And, uh, and to be to be a, a first single above a max single said that it had to be something special. And I think, you know, we just all loved I'm a Slave for You. And I think Max did too. But I think Max, as I said, felt like it was a bit of the writing on the wall, that times were changing. And uh, and that pure pop Swedish sound was kind of not as potent as it had been. Mm -hmm. um, it was happening with the Backstreet Boys too. It was just the sound was beginning to become a little repetitive. Hopping out for a quick second because I wanted to kind of give you an idea as to what was selling in 2001 that was different from previous years. We know that Britney Spears went number one at the end of November on the album charts here in the United States. To go along with what Steve was referring to is the consumers were changing. No longer at the top consistently were these teen bop pop albums. The Beatles had the number one album for the first month in 2001. Jennifer Lopez, Shaggy, Dave Matthews Band, Tupac, Janet Jackson, Destiny's Child, Tool, Stained, Blink-182, D12, Alicia Keys, and Sync with their album Celebrity, which did not feature Max Martin on there. The album, the producers that were involved were BT and one of our previous guests and a guest that's coming up, Alex Briggs. In addition, other number one albums before Britney went number one in 2001, Maxwell, Aaliyah, System of the Down, Jay-Z, Ja Rule, DMX, Michael Jackson. Then we're at Britney. 
Now for the end of the year, there were only two other number one albums. One was Garth Brooks, and the other was Creed. So when you take a look and think about all those Max Martin albums, those songs, the times were changing, and he really started pulling back on his production. But to Steve's point, Max Martin is still, to me, he's one of the best, biggest producers of all time. He's had a career for over 25 years, not only working with Robin, Celine Dion, Britney Spears, but The Weeknd, Taylor Swift, and so many others. So we're going to hop right back in, but I wanted to give you an idea of what was selling album-wise on the charts here in the United States. Back to the show. I mean, I like the song, but I mean, I liked some of the, you know, Josh and Brian stuff, some of the K&S anticipating was great. You know, that's that's kind of where where I was going in my head. Well, and what was interesting is looking at the placement on this album, this was the first album that I noticed where the first three singles, like the baby album, it was either, you know, Max Martin or Eric Foster White. It was, you know, and one half was more Max. The last half was more Eric Foster White. With this album, though, what was interesting is the first song, Neptunes, second, Max, third song, KNS. And to me, that was giving different sonics and tastes to what this was. Mm-hmm. And I wondered if with Overprotected, if it would have came out first, I wondered if maybe listeners would have been like, this is the same thing we've heard before. Because to yeah. your point, there were a lot of people who, even friends of mine that were Britney Spears fans, were like, "Ah, oh, what can she do? Like, she's already, you know, past her prime. Because this is teen music at the time. People were, you know, yeah. then oh. you had Ashanti, you had J-Lo, you had all these other people coming in. You had more emphasis on R&B and hip hop than the Swedish pop. Do you think, now knowing, I mean, looking back, you didn't know it would be nominated for Grammy, the song, but Overprotected, vocally... That being nominated for Best Pop Vocal Female Performance, to me, that was astonishing that an album, three albums in, Britney gets nominated for that. What do you think this did vocally that most of her other singles did not do? What do you think this really gave that was different for her? Uh, it didn't. You know, to have a long story short, I don't think it did. It's, uh, I think you've got to remember like Grammys with the, they're there and they're, you know, you're nominated and you're, and you're voted on by, by people in the industry, you know, who are kind of, most of them are sort of old and jaded and half of them don't even know the songs that are out there. It's like, it's kind of pathetic. It's not a fan vote at all. So with something like that, it, it might've just been a, like a little freebie they were just giving to Britney, you know, because they, they liked the first two and they realized, okay, this girl isn't going away, you know? So, okay, well, you know, on the list of songs that they had to, you know, nominate, they put a little check mark next to that one. You know, it's, oh, yeah, I, I, I know that song. That's about the level of the depth they half of these people go to. It's kind of pathetic because it certainly isn't isn't one of the best vocals of all time. It's OK. You know, it's good. Mm-hmm. She sings a song. She sells it really nicely. But it's not stunning vocal, you know, in terms mm-hmm. of how vocalists, you know, how you judge vocalists. Um, she's had other songs that would fit that better yes. than this song would. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, to me, this whole album, it's kind of an in-between album to me because you get Baby and you get um, Oops. They're kind of brother and sister type of album. They're very close, you know, together stylistically. Then you get this album, which is kind of a bit of a mishmash of different people, different styles in there. So we're feeling our way around a little bit. Then when Clive Calder left um, the company and the, the owner of Jive Records, 
and uh, Barry Weiss took over as as, um, as 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 the head of the company. And this is the first like major album that that we had to you know release after Clive had left, um, and I was the A and R person, you know, that was kind of responsible for making sure her career continued along the lines it had done when Clive was there. Um, you know, we knew we had to go somewhere else. So that to me was a, how can I say it? That, that was a departure. That was a risk. And it was stylistic departure from what she'd done before on any album. So uh, that's uh, In the Zone, that is. So you get the first two albums, which are one style, then In the Zone, which is a new one. And the Britney album is kind of like a bridge between the two in a way. It wasn't mm-hmm. as adventurous by any means as as a it was a lot more predictable than in the zone, which was kind of a, a shock to the mm-hmm. system a little bit. Um as were the first two albums, they were kind of a shock to the system too, because people weren't used to, you know, mm-hmm. this young girl singing this kind of pop and and how commercial it was and everything. You know, this it's there's some really good songs on here. I mean, uh, but I just feel like it's from an A&R person and just from a creative point of view, not a fan point of view, but from a creative point of view, I just felt it was kind of like a little nebulous, like a little soft around the edges. It didn't really know what it was. It didn't have an identity to it, you know, beyond the the, the brilliant sleeve, you know, the mm-hmm. picture on the front. As you know, I know it. you love so much. You like, <laughs> and, I, and it is, the artwork is brilliant and it gives it a real identity. You know, the picture on the front is fantastic. But musically, I just felt it was like a little... A little bit all over the place. I'm a slave for you kind of saved it. It gave it mm-hmm. a real identity. And then after the first single, I feel like we were kind of reaching a little bit, to be honest. Let's talk a little bit about the remixes and for and you know, for those new listeners to to the show. What is the benefit of going in there and doing I mean almost reproducing the song? Not just, you know, speeding up a little bit, but to me, I felt like the Dark Child remix, I felt like Rodney Jerkins really took a song that wasn't his and really put his flair on it. And when I listened to his version, I'm like, that is a Dark Child remix. So how does a song benefit from the remix kind of treatment? And also, can we, you know, talk a little bit about the album version versus the the remix of this? Yeah, I think if I remember correctly, Clive called up, said you know overprotected is is good but i think again he was thinking about the production was maybe a little bit too stereotypical um swedish here on max martin early max martin sound um but it wasn't as potent as maybe one more time or oops i did it again mm-hmm. so i think you know in the light of i'm sl- i'm a slave for you being such a hit and uh such a bit of a groundbreaker for britney at that point I think the I think the plan was to try and make, you know, make um, overprotected just a bit more R and B. Just still keep it commercial because it's a pop song. Give it a bit more of a, an R and B flavor. So Rodney did his thing. I mean, the good thing about Rodney is that he can do that. That's that's in his locker. He can make something his own like that. The bad thing about it is that sometimes it's, it feels to me like it's a, it's a little bit by numbers when he does it with a pop artist. Not with R and B artists, like he's totally in his in, in his in his field when he does that. When he comes over to pure pop, me personally, and I don't expect anyone else in the world to uh, to agree with me, but um, I just feel like 
he's trying to put this R and B stamp on a on a real pure pop song, and it feels like he's reaching a little bit, you know, and and it feels the thing about R and B and in those days, songs were kind of linear, you know, they sort of start off with the drums one way and they carried all the way through. There was not a lot of major dynamics going on like there was in in pop music where the chorus is big and the you know the pre-chorus is sweet and the verses were kind of groove oriented they didn't have that in, in r&b it's a lot more linear from beginning to end it's like kind of the kind of the same sort of energy level to, to a large degree um and i feel like his drum programming which is a major part of what he did kind of reflected that I think it to me it took a little bit of the dynamics out of it. I think he did a really good job considering, mm-hmm. but that's just my personal opinion, you know. Um, but again, I'm a huge fan of Max. So what, what can I say? It's like uh, it's like that girl you always loved, you know. It's like <laughs> never do any wrong. <laughs> it wasn't Max's best work, but at the same time, it had um, it had Max's dynamics. That that's inherent to his to his writing style and his production style and his arrangement mm-hmm. style. It's got dynamics built in, sweetness here, a little harder in places, choral in other places. Um, and uh, I think the Rodney version, it was really good, but it didn't quite hit me in the heart in the way that Max's uh, do. But to answer your other question, in, in your question there, the, um, the reason for doing remixes, for people who haven't heard us say this on other episodes, is is like many fold if you like in in some cases it's to get on different radio stations it's to uh you know so you can get some r&b play from a, a pure pop song you wouldn't get r&b play based on max martin being the producer you know um but you would get r&b play if somebody saw um you know rodney jerkin's name on it at the time they say oh, this, this is a spin oh this is kind of cool you know the groove is there it's got the rodney jerkins thing but it's britney so maybe we can bring some people over to our R&B stations. You know, there was all this, you know, the games that people play. Um, so that's one reason for doing it. Um, another reason is that clubs had a lot of, still had a lot of sway, what happened in the clubs with regards to the tastemakers. So if you had a big club hit, you know, a lot of the hot radio stations or the, or the uh, you know, which are more dance oriented or the R&B stations, they would look at what's going on in the clubs and they'd say, okay, that's, that's kind of our, our litmus test, our barometer of what the people out there are feeling. Um, so so if you did a mix that was, you know, you could do your your radio club mix, which is like the, the club, seven-minute club version knocked down to about four and a half minutes. And they would play that, you know, as long as it felt like a club record. You know, they could kind of excuse it. You know, well, yeah, we, it's a pop artist, sure, but it's, but it's a club <laughs> record. That sort of gave them the license to play it. So... And for from a for a label, you know, from a label's point of view, it was it was great because it just gave you exposed your artists to to a different audience, expanded their uh, their audience. Well, and I think what was interesting is at the time being you know the outsider, the consumer, the the fan of Britney Spears. I remember when Slave for You came out and the VMAs and everything just really took off, and I was like, oh wow, she's really going this way, and I was excited. So then when Overprotected came in, I was like, I prefer the remix of it to right, the album right. version from it. Because at the time it was like, you know, Brittany and I are almost the same age. So I was like, this is the music that I hear, you know, going right. out or dancing or anything. 
So for me, it was like this continuation. But I also love that there were two different videos that were made, the album version video and then the Dark Child remix. And what I really loved is in the video, and you've talked about this, you know, uh, Josh, so many people, Alex, Greg's and everyone said, Brittany at this time really knew what she liked, what she saw her. Like there was always something where in her mind, she had visuals in her mind that she was never yes. somebody that sat there, you know, that right. for overprotected making that dark child remix video where it's basically Britney Spears, you know, having a Megan Kelly character on screen talking about, you know, you know, her being too raunchy and this and that. And it's almost like Britney is responding through her art about the social critique of this and everything. And right. I just thought that was cool. And also with two distinct videos, because at the time, you know, I was getting ready to move to London. And I remember thinking when I got there, oh, they do pop music videos. They aesthetically are very different than the American videos. And whether it was Billy Piper, Sugar Babes, Jamelia, all these different people where... I was like, oh, aesthetically, that album version really fits into that, to me, that European look for what a pop right. video would be at the time. Mm -hmm. And then here's the shine and glimmer of the Dark Child remix with Chris Applebaum directing it. It looked to me like it was a cross between Janet Jackson's Son of a Gun and so many other amazing videos. And to me, it gave like a darker visual to it. And I think this was the this was the song. Slave for You was the enticing part. The Dark Child remix solidified that Britney Spears had the ability to genuinely fit into these other markets, not just straight pop, not just this thing. And those songs in there, when we talk about the the fans that have said, oh, I like Bombastic or Let Me Be or That's Where You Take Me or even on In The Zone where they love the hookup or they love these things. They're just like, they're so... It's not what you would think a Britney Spears song would be at that time for Britney Spears, yet it made sense to have her do that. You know what I mean? You know so much more about Britney than I do. i got to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting here learning from you. Like it's, it's, it's like you're, you're my professor. Um, um, so, but, you know, the thing about Britney is that, I mean, even from day one, that she she always seemed to have more of a vision for herself as a visual artist than she did with the music. The music was kind of a means to an end. And the more and the later her career goes, and you see the the, uh, the career from from the beginning to to wherever it is now, it's like the, the visual is always more front and center in her mind um, mm -hmm. in in importance, more so than the music. The music is like, stepping stone so I can get to do a visual. She never, th I got to be honest, she, I don't think she ever saw herself as being like this singer, this, 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 um, you know, this performer, the singer, she, she saw herself as being the entertainer, the, you know, and she liked the whole showbiz aspect of all, you know, the dancers, the music, the, the drama that comes with it. Mm -hmm. That's where her creative, um, know-how came in and that's you know that's where her brilliance was because she was a hard worker and she and she knew what she was working towards what i truly appreciated is that 
and all the research, all the decades at this point of watching her interviews and talking to all those people who were with her collaboratively is she always saw that well-rounded picture of what this is. How, how can I sell a song visually? You guys do the best thing you can with the music. Let me help figure out this stuff. And what I think was truly amazing is she was in that almost first generation that grew up. No, I can say that age-wise that grew up on MTV. You know, somebody who is in, you know, that was born in 1970, by the time it came out, they were a teenager. You know what I mean? When, when MTV was really kicking off. Yeah. Britney Spears only knew MTV as that visual. This is where we go. These are Madonna, Janet, Prince, George, Michael, uh, Michael Jackson, everyone. And I think from that, we got this, you know, princess of pop that understood my generation needs the visuals. My generation needs that, those big dance numbers, the movement. And that's why I feel like for me, she was always top tier with that visuals we talked about from her first vma performance all the way through everything and i remember years back when you know the gimme more thing happened where everyone's like oh my god she's lost it and then there were several people who were like britney spears doing that is still better than 99 percent of what people could do in general like right this this is the part that people don't yeah. don't understand the expectation the expectations you know got to be so vast that mm-hmm. the kind of people felt let down at certain points. It happens, you know, with major artists all the time. Well, and I think that her love of music came through, but I also think that with this album being called Britney, which was her first album to not be named after the first single, because the, the album would have been called I'm a slave for you, yeah. which I don't know. It would, for the longest time, I would talk to just people marketing and everyone, and they would say, you know, sometimes it was just easier to just call the album the name of the first single. So when you go yeah. in to buy it, you yeah. just buy it. You just say, I want Oops album. By the way, wouldn't it have been great if, I know like, um, you know, we're, we're rewriting history and everything and, and, and the timeline doesn't really work out. But the image of her, that iconic image with her, you know, from the VMAs, I think it was with the with the snake. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine that on the for the for the album cover, and then I'm a slave for you as the title of the album. I mean, what mm-hmm. a crazy what a crazy move that would have been. Of course, we didn't have that image at the time. It only came mm-hmm. about after the song was a hit and get to do you know all the stuff, the promotional stuff. But it just goes to show, like, I mean, those those elements. If you get elements in the right place at the right time, it can change the course of somebody's career. It's amazing what you know when you think about it. Well, I just want to say one other thing, as I, I keep on saying that, but I, I do want to say one other thing here. You know, when we're saying talking about Brittany being very, you know, aware of her visuals, you know, for the people who haven't, for the listeners who haven't heard prior episodes, when I when I in the period when I went down to see Brittany when she was, she wasn't signed to Jai for real. She was just, um, we had a three month window to, to, to pull something together. So I had the three month window to pull something together musically so that we'd pick up a, so that we'd, you know, sign her to a full on record deal with Jive. Um, and I went down to uh, Kentwood in, in Louisiana 
and we sat in the truck and I asked her, um, I, I asked her if she had seen the, the Robin video, um, I think it's show me love. Is that the, is that the title mm-hmm. of the song? Show me love. And it was, and, and I said, what do you think of that? Because Robin was a 16 year old at the time. Brittany was 15. And I think Robin was 16 or 17 and produced by Max as well. I said, what do you think of that? She said, great. It's a great song. You know, she's, she's great and everything, but the video is all wrong. You know, that was the first thing. She very accepting of the music, but the mm-hmm. video, she was king apart. You know, she said, it's in black and white. Nobody's dancing, you know. And, and, and I said, so what would you do different? She said, I'd wear a mini skirt. I'd be dancing. There'd be color. I'd be popping. And that was Brittany. She knew what she wanted, how she wanted herself to be represented to her peers, which is all important to her. She wasn't after pleasing 40, 50-year-old people. She was after pleasing fellow 15, 16-year-old people. That's That was the only thing on her mind. She said, that's what I want to do. Um, and I think that showed right from even before she signed that full-on deal with Jai Records, that she was fully invested emotionally and artistically in 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 the visual um, as the primary vehicle for her, for her for herself. Hopping out for a quick second to remind you to rate this and go back through and check out my other interviews with Steve Lunt. And like I said before, we actually go through so many of Britney Spears' songs and... Steve Lund's actual work with Cyndi Lauper, Brenda K. Starr, Mariah Carey, and a meeting with Taylor Swift. But we're going to get right back to this. Don't forget to join me on my Patreon, theoriginaldoll.com, and hit me up on Instagram, the.original.doll. Of all those overprotected remixes that were out there, what is your most listened to one? We're going to get right back to the show, but thank you once again for joining me. This is what's amazing is that we have albums, several albums years that you were from the development phase all the way through her greatest hits and everything where you got to see not only a recording artist evolve but also a teenager become an adult woman like that's something it's interesting and then what i've loved is when you see those instagram videos or those performances or just britney singing along these songs that britney doesn't really reference a lot of her newer music Britney goes back to in the zone and to baby when she talks about those. So I think, I think that shouldn't be overlooked in any of this. I think that that's a testament to how proud she is that she created that, but also goes back to it and is like, I love this song. I'm going to sing it now. You know, I I hope that's okay. I hope she does feel proud of her her legacy and her, and her prior work. Um, So many artists, they're kind of ashamed. Oh, I don't want to sing this song again. The worst thing you you ever want to hear any any artist say is, is like they've had a worldwide hit with something is I can't sing that fucking song one more time. You know, you don't mm-hmm. want to hear an artist say that. You know, just that the fact that they think that and they're not thankful for the fact that they've achieved something that that the gazillion people have tried to do and can't achieve. You know, and then they get kind of getting all stroppy and snotty with it. That's I don't like that. And so I hope. That she is looking back on her, on her earlier work, you know, with pride, and I hope it makes her feel warm inside, you know, and uh, and give her some sort of comfort or a sense of achievement and pride, you know. I think that's, mm-hmm. uh, I really hope that for her. I really do. And I think that when we all go back and we're going back through these and 
getting new ears on these songs. I think this is what's amazing about this. And so everyone have no fear. We have more with Steve coming up because we've spent a hundred years now going through all these different songs and so many others. And we have a lot coming up, some big surprises too. So Steve, thank you so much for being here today to talk about Overprotected. You're welcome. Thank you, James. The original doll.